1: going on, Steelers Nation live from the UPMC Rooney Sports Complex on the south side of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Wesley Euler, Arthur Motz with you here inside the electric factory for the next two hours. You already know the drill. You want to chime in, you can do so on the dot com, the twitter.com at Wesley Euler at the Body52, where at least I should say one of us is on the south side of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, at the UPMC Rooney Sports Complex currently. My partner Arthur Motes is. Stuck in traffic on his way down here. What's happening,
2: Mozi? Give us a little play by play. Hey, man. This is the beauty of the parkway. This is the beauty of <laughs> Pittsburgh. When there is an accident, the traffic gets insane. But where there is a will, there is a way, and nothing, nothing, not even some traffic, can keep this show from going on, baby. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's right. We, uh, you know, no adversity. We just cut off our eyelids. But you know what? This is your one-time traffic excuse here, mozi So you're going to have to find a new excuse, a new mistake. Hey, no you know, question, going forward I'm
2: a, Hey, look, I'm going to start coming three hours early with you.
1: <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny that this happened today, too, because I don't know if you saw this. But there was this big debate going on on Twitter. I don't even know who started it. Um, I'm assuming somebody in the media. It's always somebody in the media, but there was this big debate always going somebody on. Always, the media. On, always, always. You know how we like to stir things up. Uh, somebody, there's a big debate going on about the worst traffic area, worst traffic spot in all of Pittsburgh. I'm guessing right now, mozi you think that's the Parkway.
2: Well, it's a strong possibility that it is the Parkway. A lot of people have had issues with the Parkway. And Typically, the parkway isn't bad during this time of day. But like I said, man, when there's an accident, when you're stuck, you are stuck. And my friend, whew, literally been <laughs> sitting here going on 45 minutes now. Jeez. So, yeah, I would def- I would definitely put the parkway as my vote for right now.
1: Are you on the <laughs> other side of the tunnel still? I literally am looking dead at the tunnel. Actually oh, about gosh. to inch into the tunnel. Yes, okay. craziness. Okay. All right, yeah. so we'll see. We'll see how this works out. I might have to do. Uh, I might have to talk to Brian Backo solo here coming up in about fifteen minutes. Right. <laughs> we'll, see, <laughs> we'll see how that one works out. Uh, but Arthur is oh on his way down here to the UPMC Rooney Sports Complex on the south side of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, on a Thursday. You guys already know what that means. We will talk to Brian Backo here. Uh, you know, in about fifteen minutes or so. We we'll also have three questions and three guarantees before we get out of here. Uh, but Arthur Motes, Wednesday, the day that uh, I always like to watch the Steelers' upcoming opponent, right? So that I go back I like and movie. I watched, uh, you know, watch the Jets-Ravens game yesterday and some other Jets uh, clips from earlier in the season, if you will. Particularly a game against Buffalo that I was interested in seeing how they played against that team. Uh, and one thing that I think I know for sure about the Jets, Arthur Moats. Well, other than I should say they're in the middle of an injury nightmare too, like the Steel. They got yes. 18 players on IR right now, dude. The Jets,
2: 18. crazy, 18. crazy.
1: Like that's <laughs> I don't know if I've ever seen an injury an, an IR list, an injury report that deep. 18 different players on IR right now for the Jets. Uh, but one thing stands out for them, Moatsy. I think when you watch them on film. Or, honestly, if you just look at them statistically, uh, this is a defense in the New York Jets. And I think you'll appreciate where I'm going here because I know you like to start with defense always.
2: Here we go uh, there. We go. Make me feel better.
1: They are incredibly stingy when playing against the run, in the run game. So opponent rushing yards per game. The Jets have the second lowest in the National Football League. There's only two teams in the entire league that are holding their opponents to under 90 yards rushing per game on average. That's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the New York Jets. At home at the Meadowlands, the Jets are giving up on average just 87 rush yards per contest. Arthur Motes, with everything that we have talked about, you and I and all of Steeler Nation this week, Uh, the need for Duck to respond, the imbalance in the what was a 38 pass attempts and the 15 rushing attempts for the Steelers Sunday night against the Buffalo Bills. Uh, I think it is very important. I'm not saying the Steelers need to go out there and run for 140, 150 yards against these New York Jets. But what they can't do, Motsi, is abandon the run game. They have to be able to get something out of the run game against this Jets team or else, again, I, I think you're going to be putting the ball in Duck's hands 35-40 times too many times and asking him to win you the game.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely right, man. When you're talking about the Jets' defense versus the run, they have, uh, they have been very, very stout. Now, the teams that have given them fits were the Ravens and the Bills on terms of the ground game, but that was due to them having running quarterbacks or mobile quarterbacks. Ryan Fitzpatrick was another one mm-hmm. who the Jets struggled to contain. But when you're talking about establishing the run, you're obviously coming to this game. James Conner is another week healthy, so you have to lean on him more. Benny Snell, he's healthy. You have to lean on him. Jalen Sanders, you have to lean on these guys because we saw when Duck is having to throw the ball almost 40 times, that's not going to be the recipe for success. And when you're looking at this Jets defense, Number one, they haven't been able to generate a ton of turnovers. So you know you're going to be able to sustain these drives. They're not getting off the field right away. And you have to anticipate that with your your uh, your running backs, the war of attrition, it adds up. And the teams that have really committed to running the ball versus the Jets, whether it was through, like I said, some of the quarterback runs or actually making sure they're giving their running backs ample opportunities, those teams have been able to be successful.
1: Arthur Motz from the parkway on his way down here, laying, <laughs> laying down the Jets' knowledge. I, I think this also, Motsi, uh, kind of works. The, the same conversation we're having about the Steelers and their offense as it relates to the Jets' defense and, and their stout ability in the run game, I think you could kind of have a similar conversation for the Jets against the Steelers' defense, right? Uh, obviously, there's a whole Lev Bell storyline, and we'll get into that later, and we're, I'm sure we'll talk about that plenty tomorrow. But everyone knows, everyone's seen, everyone has seen, you know, all the Sam Darnold from earlier in the year, the clip of, oh, man, I'm seeing ghosts, right? Uh, Seeing the ghosts. (laughs) Seeing the ghosts. I think it's the same thing for the Jets, too, in the sense that, if they come out and and can't establish Lev, and, can't est- and they've got a, a talented stable of running backs there as well, too, in New York, if they can't get the run game going and they have to put the ball into Sam Darnold's hands and say, hey, Sam, we need you to go out here and make enough plays to win this game for us, I think that spells disaster for the Jets offense as well.
2: Yeah, without a doubt. The Jets' offense is most effective when they're able to have Le'Veon Bell involved in the rushing and passing attack, when they're able to have their running backs being more productive. The games where they struggled the most is when they've been one-dimensional. And a lot of things factor into that. I mean, obviously, Sam Darnold is still growing. He's still learning, so he's had some bad games. Everyone remembers the Patriots game because that's where he made the comment about seeing ghosts. but. Mm -hmm. He's been very inconsistent, like a lot of young quarterbacks typically are in the league. Some games he looks really good. You see him the, uh the game versus the Cowboys, and you're like, man, this Jets team can really make some noise. They can really, you know, potentially uh, make to the playoffs and do something. But then you see him a couple weeks later, and they're struggling. And those are some of the inconsistencies associated with young quarterbacks, associated with teams that are trying to figure out how to win in this league. And that's what's going on right now with that Jets offense.
1: When you've got that then, Mozi uh, two different teams, two different quarterbacks that are coming into the league uh, that are still cutting their teeth, still trying to figure out the best way to win with these guys, still trying to get these guys experienced and up to speed on everything that you're trying to do from a schematic standpoint, does that lend you to believe that, and I should probably say the potential for December weather, uh, that this will be another low-scoring, tight, down-to-the-wire football game for the Pittsburgh Steelers.
2: Yeah, I definitely think it's going to be one of those low-scoring games when we're talking about the Steelers' offense and how we want to minimize the exposure of dust, how you want to minimize the impact, potentially, of turnovers. That means running the ball a lot more. You know that that's one of the Jets' strengths, so you have to anticipate that being very nip-and-tuck in terms of success associated with running the ball. But then from a defensive standpoint, you know the Steelers have been doing a great job in terms of creating turnovers, in terms of keeping points off the board. So then that bodes well for them. So I definitely anticipate it being a low-score game regardless of the weather just because of the personnel associated with both offenses and their style of play right now.
1: Yeah, I I agree with you. It's Man, there is a lot of – and I feel like we've said this the past couple weeks, but it's always related to the Steelers with their injury situation and the quarterback situation – that there's a lot of moving parts, you know, ahead of kickoff on Sunday. Now I feel like that, though, Motsi, for both teams. Like, both teams have so much unknown, so many question marks, uh, and again, particularly on the offensive side of the football.
2: Yeah, they do, man. Like you said, when you're talking about some of the injuries on the offensive side of the ball that both teams have had to face, they've been at key positions. And that's the thing that we don't like to talk about as often if it doesn't deal with the quarterback. And I think that's why the Jets – Early on, they were talked about when Sam Darnold went down with uh, with mono. But other than that, they don't really talk about the Jets and their injuries. Where, like you said, they had eighteen players on injury reserve. That is a ton. That's over, that's over a third of your roster. So when you factor in that, obviously the Steelers have had to deal with their injuries, losing their franchise quarterback six quarters into the season. It's a lot to overcome for both organizations. But I think the Steelers have done a, a way better job, and I think that's largely in part to the coaching and the management of how this team has been run.
1: Yeah, it's a good point by you. And, and obviously the Jets are going through that. We've seen the Steelers go through that. Uh, I actually – you'll like this one, Motsi, because you know, you know I've done all the research. I've got all the notes. Oh, yeah, you
2: you, you're my numbers guy. You know that, man. Uh,
1: you know, I've, I've got an opinion on everything. Uh, and, and that's the, why I love you. The only If you take the offensive line out of the equation for the Pittsburgh Steelers offense, there's only two people that have been healthy, and well, healthy, you know, in quotation marks. There's only been two people right. that have dressed in every single game for the Steelers offense. Again, if you take out the offensive line, Deontay Johnson and Johnny Holton. That's it. That's wow. the list.
2: Just think about that. Wow. Yeah. Two guys yeah. that going into the season weren't even going to be featured like that in terms right. of Deontay you were talking about him being the third, maybe fourth receiver behind Juju Moncrief and James Washington. That's wild. And then obviously Johnny Houghton, he was the guy that you just anticipated for special teams only. Right. So, yeah, that, that is crazy to think about. But that's the NFL right now, man. You mm-hmm. deal with these injuries. But I think that just goes back into why Coach Tomlin is receiving the recognition that he's received this season because of that type of adversity that he's had to overcome, to have this team in position where they control their own destiny. Literally two wins away from going to the playoffs after everything that's transpired this year, after the horrendous start to the season. I mean, that, that's just mind-blowing when you think about it.
1: On Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at the Body 52
2: The Body.
1: Harry tweets, tell Moats we are trading him for being late. And David follows up with his punctuality is below the line, if you will. Mike common voice. <laughs> we'll I let, like it. We'll let Moatsy make his way uh, down here to the UPMC Rooney Sports Complex on the south side of Pennsylvania. When we come back, I'll talk to Brian Backo. You already know our buddy from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, but he's not down here today either. He's back at home. Oh, man. Oh, man. man. What is going on today? We're putting the phone lines to work today, but still having some fun, (laughs) still uh, still taking your tweets again, and the show must go on. We're going to take a break here, but again, Brian Backo of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette will join me when we return. He's Arthur Motes, making his way downtown, walking fast, faces past, and he's homebound. I'm Wesley Euler. You are inside the electric factory. It's Euler and Motes. You're listening to Steelers Blitz on
0: SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR.
1: You know, there's this really weird dynamic going on today on SNR where Punch and Wolf, who usually take a ton of phone calls, instead had like three or four guests down here live today. And then Moats and I, who usually only do Brian Bacco, one guest here live and in person, never really go to the phone lines. Well, I had to do the opening segment with Motes because he's on the parkway and Mr. Backo not coming down to Steelers HQ. So he is joining me on the phone lines right now. Brian Backo of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, kind enough to join us as he does at this time every Thursday. But you just got me today, Backo. I hope that's okay. Yeah, yeah,
3: I guess that's all right. But, I mean, hey, Motes running late, getting to the facility, you know, traffic, car troubles, things happen. Uh, I technically have the day off, so I'm not down there. But you don't care. You're just putting us both on blast, aren't you?
1: Well, listen, you know, I'm like Greg Jennings. Sometimes I just got to put the team on my back.
3: Yeah, yeah, we get it. Wes Euler is the hardest working man uh, (laughs) on Steeler Nation Radio, certainly uh, among anyone who's in that building right now on the south side, no doubt, even including all the staffers and players in the middle of a playoff push.
1: Well, yeah, certainly. I mean, come on, yeah, coaching staff in the middle of a playoff push, two games left. There's no way those guys are working harder than me. Let's be honest here.
3: No, no, you are, you are making radio magic happen all by your lonesome right now, but at least most and I are still calling it.
1: I'm not even sure, Brian. I, I've been told I, I might be producing back at the station at the same time here, you know, just magic. No, I'm kidding. We got Kellen back on the ones and twos do, <laughs> doing a great job, helping me doing all this juggling here. Yeah,
3: don't throw Kellen under the bus as well.
1: No, no, Kellen. Hey, Kellen was on. T- Kellen texted me like an hour before the show asking if I needed any audio. Kellen was doing his due diligence today. We Above the line performance from Kellen back at HQ. Uh, That's varsity. It's it's varsity level. Varsity level play there from Kellen. Uh, Brian, how long is, let's get right into it here, how long is one Devlin Duck Hodges leash this Sunday afternoon at MetLife Stadium?
3: You know, I don't know that anyone knows the answer to that, even Mike Tomlin. I I think there's just so many moving parts there and and so much that uh, is really going to go into uh, the ability to kind of bake that souffle of what to do with Duck? Uh, Is he throwing interceptions? Is he moving the ball for the offense, even if he's taking care of it? Uh, Is he getting guys to make plays for him? I mean, in Cincinnati with Mason Rudolph when Mike Tomlin just kind of felt that he needed a spark, uh, that was just a failure to, to really get anything going on short throws, deep balls, and against a pretty bad secondary. That's what forced his hand to Devlin Hodges in that game. Obviously, he's sticking with him, at least for now, after throwing four picks. But I do think the, uh, the, the biggest thing that will determine the length of the leash, if you will, uh, is going to be ball security. So I think as long as Hodges uh, is at least getting back to the old duck and not turning the ball over, uh, which should uh, make things easy and make life easy for the Steelers defense against the depleted Jets offense, that'll be enough for Tomlin in this one.
1: I agree with what you said there, particularly with the turnovers aspect of it. I think there's going to be a a huge, a direct correlation there, if you will, to the decisions that are made on the field in game on Sunday. But a lot of talk, and rightfully so, from from Mike Tomlin and from everybody else about giving Duck the opportunity to respond, right? How uh, in any business, but particularly in sports, how you respond to adversity is quite often what defines you. Uh, Duck with his first real struggle. As a in his early you know, career here as a quarterback in the National Football League, giving him the opportunity for another week of preparation and to bounce back. Uh, how do you expect that to look on Sunday? Uh, we know the Jets, a team, very stingy in the run game, so it's not like the Steelers can just keep the ball, you know, ask Duck to throw the ball 17, 16 times, something like right. that. Uh, is, do you expect that response? Like, Is there going to be a line there that the Duck's going to have to waddle in not completely going into a shell, right, but, again, making ball security and, you know, the quote-unquote not killing us, making that a priority?
3: Yeah, I'll be really curious to see how Devlin Hodges responds. I mean, the thing we've heard about him all along, even if he doesn't have all the physical traits that you want in a starting quarterback, he at least has the moxie, he has kind of the intangibles. Well, guess what? He went from being the most popular guy in town for a month or two to now all of a sudden being the ire of Steelers fans everywhere with the way that he played in a huge game against the Bills. So will he kind of uh, shrink from that uh, challenge, or will he rise to it? A lot of that is going to have to do with, I think, uh, the quality of the Jets' defense in this game. Like you said, Wes, they have been good against the runner. At least they were until these past couple weeks. Uh, But they've also been playing without Jamal Adams the last two games, and, and he's arguably the best safety in the NFL and and almost inarguably the best at rushing the passer, six and a half sacks, one and a half uh, off of breaking the all time single season record in this league. So he's expected to return. You got to think he'll be pinning his ears back to go in there and make life tough for number six. Uh, they're, They're expected to have Quinn and Williams back the number three pick in the draft after he missed last week. He's been kind of a bust a little bit so far in his first year, but obviously a lot of talent there. Uh, it's it's not going to be a, an easy game plan to, to construct for this Steelers offense, Randy Feetner, but to your point, I, I do think of a lot of it is going to have to do with Duck probably being able to, to make some throws that he couldn't execute against the Bills because they're going to pressure him, they're going to blitz him, and, and yeah, you got to think priority number one is going to be take away the run and make them one-dimensional.
1: Well, certainly I would think so. The Jets are one of two teams in the National Football League that on average holds their opponents to less than 90 yards per rushing uh, or per game, I should say, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers being the other. And then conversely, the Steelers have only gone over 100 yards rushing in game five times in 14 games this season. Is that the real X factor for you, Backo, The the Jets run game uh, against the Steelers' ability to just manufacture, to have something there?
3: Yeah, I think establishing the run or, or stopping the run, depending what side of the ball you're talking about, is an X factor in any game. As is taking care of the football and winning the turnover battle. I mean, Cam Hayward was saying after the Bills game that he's not making a big deal about all the turnovers that the Steelers had in that one. The, the five turnovers between the four picks and the lost fumble, because their defense was able to get some takeaways as well. So that kind of uh, was a wash but it really wasn't it, it really held back the Steelers in that game so I mean you, you got to think in addition to uh, you know trying to move the ball with the running game well, what does it also help you do it helps you accomplish keeping the ball on the ground and, and taking it out of your quarterback's hands and, and minimizing the likelihood of giving the ball to the defense so uh, that is going to be as crucial as ever and, and I'm still curious to see how this backfield rotation play out if they were able to establish the run are they going to lean on James Conner a lot the way they did against the Bills relatively speaking are you going to see more Benny Snell it sounded like Mike Tomlin was a little bit regretful about not using him more is Jalen Samuels uh, a little bit of an x-factor in this one because of what he can do in the passing game or will Kareth White all of a sudden get the mothballs dusted off and and give this team a jolt in the running game I, I really don't know what to do it's similar to the quarterback position if you have two you really don't have one if you have four running backs uh, do you really have one right now with the steelers because obviously james connor still isn't 100 yet with that shoulder
4: yeah man very true and, and good to hear from you oh Mr. where did Back. you come Go. from What's come on accident? baby listen man you know i'm like the magic man around here i just pop up anytime any place
3: wow that is <laughs> impressive. <to> <sighs>
4: But, man, you definitely hit on a good thing, man, talking about if you have multiple quarterbacks, you typically don't have one. But speaking of that, man, Duck's mindset and mentality coming in this week, man, it was obviously the the uh, decision-making process in terms of would he be the starter this week, Mason Rudolph, him preparing and things like that. So just mentally, where is he
3: at? It's tough to say. I mean, we were just talking about how oh, this is really the first kind of adversity he's had to face at this point, and, you know the thing that maybe has changed a little bit with Duck Hodges from you know August to now, from September to now, even October to now, he went from being the undrafted tryout guy from Sanford who truly had nothing to lose and was playing with house money to all of a sudden you're getting an extended audition here for your future. And I do sort of wonder if if what that kind of does to your mindset. I mean, I don't know that he seems any less confident to me, but I, I think you've got to you know reset at least a little bit when you have a game uh, that you struggle in as much as he did against the Bills. But, hey, here's the thing. He he knows this as well as anybody. Obviously, Mike Tomlin knows it because he's starting him again. That was the best defense that the Steelers have seen in quite some time. And and it's certainly a better defense, I think, than the Jets, even at full strength. So, maybe Duck Hodges isn't going to be completely kind of downtrodden after that game. Maybe he realizes, hey, I'm going to get a chance now to, to face a unit that a little closer to the Cleveland one that I was able to take care of and (laughs) and maybe I'll I'll get back to get back to basics in this one against the Jets
4: yeah definitely man and I'm hoping so and I'm sure Steeler Nation is hoping we see that Doug Hodges now on a positive note Steelers man uh what five guys named to the Pro Bowl uh this uh earlier this week so just talking about that, man. How did you feel initially with your reaction to it, guys? That you thought should made it or shouldn't have made it? How'd you feel?
1: It's snub season, baby. Come
4: on, now you know. How yeah, to lose.
3: yeah. I never get too into the uh, the snubs about Pro Bowls and stuff like that because it really is a popularity contest in a lot of ways. I, I don't necessarily think, you know, to my eye, that Marquise Pouncey is having a Pro Bowl quality season, and I think you see more with offensive linemen that you're normally getting that nod based on reputation and and stuff like that more so than actual play on the field because obviously the the casual fan isn't going to be able to evaluate a line play uh, (laughs) like NFL coaches or or players can do. Uh, Bud Dupree certainly had an argument to be in there, I think, but once again, it's kind of the other side of the coin. Uh, He doesn't necessarily have kind of that big name uh, reputation in the NFL, so a lot of people probably skipped right past his name, but obviously T.J. Watt well-deserved. Minka Fitzpatrick well-deserved David DeCastro, I still think has been uh, a bright spot for an offensive line that has struggled a decent amount this year and uh, for an offense that has uh, is, is, you know had its ups and downs we'll say as the Steelers have to still get two guys in uh, to the Pro Bowl is, is pretty good for them so uh, it's always good for the the Steelers I mean they, they're always going to do well in these kind of things because they have such a big fan base and uh, they get a lot of games in prime time, so people get to see guys like T J Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick, David DeCastro week in and week out.
4: And that does benefit them largely. <laughs>
3: and of course, I can't leave him out. He's he's right. been uh, really, really good this year and, and took his game up another notch since step onto it, went down.
1: Brian Backo, of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette with us here on the Steelers Blitz. Uh, a guy that we talked about a minute ago, Jamal Adams, the only J-E-T-S Jets. Jets. Jet. Hey, man, stop saying all that
4: J-E-T-S stuff, man. I don't like them like that.
1: <laughs> headed to the Pro Bowl. He's the only one. That means one Lev Bell not headed to the Pro Bowl for a second straight year here, obviously. Yep. Uh, what? I, and I don't know how – I'm kind of putting you on the spot here. I don't know how much film you've watched on the Jets or how intently you followed them to this point, but – Lev Bell's lack of production this year on him on just the fact that that offensive line and their skill position players and Adam Gase a lot to be desired there a combination of both what's kind of been the uh the formula to Lev's you know bit of an underwhelming season to this point so far
3: yeah certainly underwhelming the the most so for him in the NFL he hasn't hit 100 yards in a game through the air or on the ground just yet I think his season high was 129 he only has four touchdowns but I'm Not going to put that so much on Le'Veon. I don't know that he's handled himself off the field particularly well in his first year with the Jets between the the bowling stuff and and some of the other comments he's made. But on the field, I think he's played about as well as he can, but he knew that he was coming into sort of a dysfunctional setting, an offense that's young and rebuilding. So it was always going to be tough sledding for him. I mean, they've been able to throw the ball well uh, really since they got shut out in that Patriots game. Um, But teams are taking him away, which is a big reason why Sam Darnold is is able to have success through the air. So uh, he knew what he was getting into. He knew that there weren't a whole lot of weapons there. Uh, Maybe if they can continue to to add some pieces to that offense, especially on the offensive line, they've got a bunch of no-names there other than former Steeler Kelvin Beecham at left tackle. So I, I never really give all that much credit or lack thereof to a running back because I think for the most part in the NFL these days, Unless you're someone really special, a Zeke Elliott or or maybe what Dalvin Cook is becoming and Alvin Kamara, you're pretty much going to get what's blocked for you, and if there's no room to run, then you can't expect the guy to make something out of nothing all the time.
4: Yeah, very true, and you definitely hit on a good part when you talk about the attention that he still draws, because that's some of the things that we talked about in terms of when James Conner or Jalen Samuels, those guys don't garner two and three bodies or eyes when they're out there, whereas Le'Veon does. But when you're looking at this Jets offense, what is your biggest, I guess, concern in terms of how they could attack the Steelers defense?
3: I think when you look at what the Bills were able to do at times last week with Josh Allen's big arm and John Brown running free over the top, you've got to worry about Robbie Anderson. I mean, he and Sam Darnold have finally kind of gotten in sync this season after uh, really a a disappointing start to the year for their big play threat. Uh, Demarius Thomas probably not going to be out there, but they've got another speedster in this Vincent Smith who had three for 40 last week. So they do have some guys who can stretch it. Jamison Crowder's that slot man that, you know, you always got to worry about when you get in close there and on money downs. So uh, you've got to watch out for him, but at the same time, Robbie Anderson is going to be trying to take the top off the defense. And I think with the Steelers or the way they're playing right now on that side of the ball, that's really the only thing you've got to worry about is is the big play and, and keeping him in front of you because, I think they'll be able to hem up Le'Veon Bell. Uh, I think they'll be able to get pressure on Sam Darnold against that Jets offensive line. But just don't let one go for big like that forty-yarder uh, to John Brown that flipped the field and set up the the winning Bills touchdown. Absolutely,
1: Brian. Uh, you mentioned just now there that that Jets offensive line, which has certainly left plenty to be desired. Uh, when I watched, I rewatched them play the Ravens last night, and uh, they're one of their Bills games as well too. And I just kept thinking the whole time, especially with the way, the form that he's been in the last few weeks, Cam Hayward should just kill these guys, right? Cam Hayward should just eat Sunday afternoon at MetLife.
3: Yeah, the guys that they have on the interior, like I said, are are probably uh, even less NFL starting caliber than Kelvin Beecham is there on the blind side. So maybe he neutralizes Bud Dupree's uh, blitz a little bit, but... Uh, Cam Hayward should have his way inside. One thing, Javon Hargrave as well has been really good this year. Uh, didn't get a Pro Bowl, not obviously, but he's been solid. And I actually think one thing that flew under the radar from that Bills game Sunday night was Tyson Alualu was as disruptive and as noticeable Jerry, as we've seen him yeah. in quite some time. So that that's a, a big uh, advantage or an edge for the Steelers in this matchup, I think. And, and I think they have the edge and the advantage in a lot of points in this matchup. It's just going to be a matter of going on the road to East Rutherford, New Jersey, and, and getting it done against a team that I think is, is still playing hard, but Adam Gase and, and what's going on there is uh, a little bit strange, so they maybe have more talent than their record would suggest. They've been better with Sam Darnold at quarterback rather than Luke Falk or Trevor Simeon than their overall record would suggest, but uh, I still see a, a, a lot of areas in which the Steelers should be able to win this fight.
1: Yeah, I would agree. Brian Backo of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette with us here. On the Stiller Blitz, I got to ask your opinion, Uh-oh. Mr. Backo, because Questions. this is I feel like this has been kicked around a lot this week ever since Sunday night. I need to know what side of the renegade – are you on the keep renegade or the
3: change renegade side of the fence here, Mr. Backo? I'm a traditionalist. Uh, when it comes there to Steelers, go. I'm a traditionalist. I, I say keep renegade. When it comes to pit football and Sweet Caroline, I'm new school. I, w- I don't want any part of no, that. Just, but so keep Sweet the- Caroline. <laughs> Us WVU fans love it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's awful. But as far as Renegade, I think it's unique. I think it's something that's been a staple of this thing for so long. The players change, the faces change, but uh, that's kind of one of those constants that I think is, is pretty cool uh, about the Steelers. And, and it's more coincidental than anything what happens after Renegade, let's be honest. It's, it's sure. not like it's having some crazy effect on, on the defense or the offense. Uh, it's just a matter of executing after whatever time it happens to be played in a game. So uh, has it lost its luster in terms of pumping up the defense? I don't know about that. I, I think it's something that fans still really enjoy. And it's something you anticipate when you are attending a game, uh, especially if you're a Steelers fan from out of town or, or even a local person who's never been to one
4: before. All right. Hey, I just want to let you know from personal experience, recent experience, and from talking to guys that are still out there. Yeah. Renegade still got that juice, baby. Yeah, you still buddy. Love it. As soon as it <laughs> drops, screen goes black. And I feel like the people who don't attend the games are the big ones making that push of talking about, oh, maybe we should change it. The ones who are there, you look forward to it because it's an iconic moment in every game in terms of, all the fans in
1: unison get into it and, and, and the get hype. Oh, look! The Ravens seemingly made it their own. They played it all week. The Bills played it all week. Man. They made it their. I mean, okay. When teams go to when teams go to Lane Stadium, they play Enter Sandman all listen, week. That listen. still doesn't mean no, it's no, 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 theirs no. when Virginia Tech's per- jumping per- personal around. Personal
4: experience. 2013, we played Renegade every day, multiple days throughout the week in practice. Made it our own. When it plays in the stadium, get hype. Oh, yeah, we did that, too. We were dancing around. Renegade, yeah. And then we proceeded to lose. And the storyline isn't the same because we (laughs) lost. But because the Bills won, because the Ravens won, now all of a sudden it's, oh, man, they they use that for their advantage and we should change it up. No, it was a fluke. Period. If, they, if the Steelers win, which they do more times than not, then that's never in the conversation.
3: From if you've Roy, got an anthem like that that other teams are playing it at practice true. to prepare for it, I think you've got something good on your team.
1: Absolutely. Good call there, Mr. Backhill. All right, before we get to your esteemed prediction, i got to give you a chance to brag. All right, Tuesday night, your Shaler Titans knock off my number one ranked undefeated Mars Planet, 73-62. to 62. Uh, it looks like this Reynolds guy you guys got in Shaler can ball, huh?
3: Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Makai Reynolds had a big game. Mars was dealing with some injuries, but you know what? There's no excuses <laughs> with your basketball. It's so the standard is the up, standard. So I'm saying roll, Titans, roll.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brian back go with now, right? Because I wrote this down last week, uh, and he nailed it again. So he was 9 and 3 last week. So now he's 10 and 3 with his esteemed predictions on the year. How does Sunday at MetLife play out for Steelers Jets?
3: Yeah, I don't remember what score I gave last week for the Bills game, but honestly, that one did kind of play out sort of as I expected. So a little surprised that uh, Steelers fans think the sky is falling, but I guess I shouldn't be shocked by that at this point. That is uh, (laughs) fandom. It's short for fanatical. 16-10 was the score
1: you predicted, by the way, last week.
3: (laughs) 16-10. 16-10. So you were pretty darn close, buddy. Yeah, yeah, that's not bad. If if, uh, if my guy Houska misses an extra point, uh, I'm going to Vegas. But uh, as far as this week, I think the Steelers get back on the right track. But I do think it's going to be kind of like pulling teeth a little bit to move the ball. It's going to be a, a defensive struggle. And I'm going to say they get out of there by a field goal, 17-14. Uh, and they are one step closer to getting into the, the postseason in 2019, which uh, people were down on their chances after that game Sunday night. But uh, I think they'll handle business against the Jets.
1: Seventeen fourteen. is the prediction from Brian Backo. Find his work in the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette on Twitter, at Brian Backo. He hasn't changed his number since the seventh grade. He is our good friend of the show. Buddy, varsity stuff today. You know, you're not down here, still taking the time. We really appreciate it. And
4: the Brian Backo.
1: I don't know if we'll talk to you last next week. We'll have to see how the Christmas schedules shake out. If we don't talk to you before Wednesday, Merry Christmas, buddy.
3: Yeah, not be done. My pleasure, guys. Thanks for joining us, moats. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why he's our guy brian Paco
1: a pleasure as always he throwing the darts at hey, you man. man
4: it was a rough time out there i he's, did find out what was going to on your, too he's trying to get your game check from, i know from, man from <laughs> i did find out what was going on it was actually a, a, a three-car Accident, man. So I hope those people are safe and
1: okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
4: I was like, oh, no wonder it was so much traffic oh, here. Oh
0: man.
1: <laughs> well, the show must go on. The show has gone on, and now the fun will really get going. Moatsy back in the saddle. I want to talk to him about that whole bouncing back from adversity thing Ooh. that we've heard so much from from Coach Tomlin from the Steelers about one Devlin Duck Hodges this week. We'll get into that when we return and take your tweets as well at Wesley Euler at the body fifty-two.
0: The body.
1: Euler emotes at Steelers Blitz on SNR.
0: This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24 seven home of the black and gold S N R.
1: It certainly goes without saying that, man, this has been just an incredible season of highs and lows for your Pittsburgh Steelers yes, of, indeed. of peaks and valleys of, uh, I mean, it's like we've been at Kennywood on the new steel curtain ride the entire year. Uh, started out 0-3, 1-4, Ben Roethlisberger out for the season. Then you come back, you win, what, seven out of eight games. You're sitting at an 8-5 and record using a guy who you cut out of training camp at quarterback. It's been – and then obviously the frustration that came with the five turnover performance from the offense at home on Sunday night and that loss to the Bills. A lot of good, a lot of bad, a lot of highs, a lot of lows, a lot of positive – A lot of negative. Right now, Arthur Motes, the Pittsburgh Steelers, adversity has been the real buzzword this week.
4: Yeah, it definitely has, man.
1: Particularly for the young quarterback, one Devlin Duck Hodges. The
4: Devlin Duck Hodges.
1: Uh, I would be naive enough. I mean, even someone as accomplished as you at the the college level and at the NFL level. Accomplished? Me? I know you dealt with some adversity during your playing career. Everybody does. Even Tom Brady, right? Who people are the GOAT. Tom, He dealt with adversity. Even... Troy Polamalu and Lawrence Timmons and, La, and, no. and, and, and and all these guys, Lawrence Taylor. I mean, you're talking about whoever you want to talk See. about. Uh, Ray Lewis and Ed Reed, those guys dealt with adversity. Peyton Manning, he dealt with adversity. Heinz uh, Ward, he dealt with adversity. <laughs> Everybody who plays this game, who plays sports, and I don't care how great you are, you deal with adversity at some point. What is it like in the, in the weeks, in the moments in between, Motsi, when you're waiting for that opportunity, like I'm sure Duck has been all week, just waiting for Sunday when he finally does, and the offense in general too, when they finally get that opportunity right to to bounce back.
4: First off, I like how you just made it that only us athletes face adversity. Everybody does. Everybody. Right. I don't want to short the power grid, the megawatts. I know y'all deal with adversity. Clearly, some people on this radio show today have some adversity. <laughs> it's like that. Sometimes it do be like that. It do be like that. But in all seriousness, though, man, in the uh, when it comes to football, though, in the sports world, when you're facing that adversity, the biggest thing is mentally you have to never stop believing in yourself. You have to never stop believing that you are good enough. You have to also understand the importance of positive criticism, hmm. positive uh, in terms of how you critique yourself and how you receive that criticism because a lot of times if you're very sensitive in terms of people not being able to tell you stuff not being able to correct you sure you won't receive it in the right manner in which it should have been received and ultimately you won't get that message that you needed to hear and you will not be able to grow and learn from your mistakes and your errors
1: particularly after a loss too right because if you as you've said constructive criticism is much easier to accept and to take when you're winning games as opposed to losing them.
4: Yes, and the reason is this. If I win, but I miss three tackles, my trump card ultimately comes down to, hey, man, I won the game. I don't care what you're talking about. So, like, I'm not going to be as offended because I know I have this one thing that's going to always make me feel good. Whereas when you lose... And they're like, hey, Duck, man, you threw four picks. You shouldn't have thrown this pick versus this coverage. You shouldn't have thrown that pass versus that coverage. You're hearing all that negativity and you lost. So you have to own every bit of it. And I think that's why sometimes players don't receive it the way they should after a loss. But the guys who last in this league, the guys who are able to overcome that adversity, they, number one, have that thick skin. They understand that. You're going to be criticized in this room with these coaches, with your teammates, but they're doing it from a position of love, not from a position of hate. They're not trying to knock you. They're not trying to disrespect you or embarrass you, but they're under, they're, they want you to understand the significance of the moment, the significance of the details, the minutia. And it's on you to be responsible enough to receive it and learn from that. And that was some of the things that I had to do, but I had to learn it. It's not easy because every person that makes it to the NFL, you were the man in high school. You were the man in college. So even if you had a bad game, they're still telling you how
1: great you are.
4: <laughs> I had a game. <laughs> or if you had a
1: bad game in high school and your team lost, it wasn't your fault, Mox. Not at
4: all. Like, you it out. I had a game, man. I remember in college, I had a game where we ended up losing by, I think it was three. I had a 15 yard penalty because in the moment, like I just kind of, I, I, I might have blacked out just a second.
1: Redlined a little bit.
4: I, I, I flirted with that red line, might have crossed it, got a penalty.
1: You didn't swing your helmet at anybody though, did you? Nah, mm-hmm. nah, okay, okay, nah, nah. I ain't go that sure. far. Just just but sure. but
4: it, I'm sure if the helmet would have ended up in my hands, something could have transpired. Is this on YouTube? No, it is not. Shout out to the FCS at that moment. <laughs> 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 but. I just remember how even in that moment after the game we lose and it was dra- it was directly related to that penalty, they're still talking about, well, most you still bought up, but you still went for two of them sacks, man. You still was, you know what I mean, you're the guy. And I ended up winning the player of the year award at the end of the year, so it really did, like, for me, I never had to understand. To
1: face that music. To face
4: that. But then you get to the NFL and it's like, oh, no, it's drastically different. The, the errors are heightened. The stakes are a lot higher. And then you have to go through that humbling experience, and then you have to understand that this is a professional atmosphere. This is an environment where we all collectively have to be able to give and take, and criticize and receive it. And once I learned that, I became a better player and a better teammate for it. Sure. And I think you those help are, other guys deal with right, that. Right. And, and when you're able to tell a younger guy, like, "Look, I've been in your shoes. If you're younger, if you're a younger guy who's looking for an example, you can say, hey, this was my example.'"
1: Here's what I went through. This is what I did wrong,
4: and this is what I did right.
1: And maybe I was listening to the outside noise too much and wasn't paying attention enough to this and that.
4: Those are all the things that you learn throughout that process, and I'm sure Duck is leaning on some of his older guys, and I'm sure Mason Rudolph is as well because we forget about Mason because right now he's not the starter, but realistically, he's two interceptions away from being right back in the fire. Mm -hmm. So it's just as important, and this is something that Coach Simon says, like, if I'm talking to you, Wesley, but you see all these other guys in the building, don't think that I'm not talking to y'all as well. Like, if I'm giving you this message, if if I'm directing it to Wes, all of y'all better listen because it applies to all of us at some moment, at some moment, at some time. And that's the situation with Duck right now and Mason. He's going to critique Duck. He's going to coach up Duck. He's going to be talking to Duck about this and that and that and that and that. But that message still applies to Mason. That still applies to Artie Burns if he were to get the opportunity due to an injury. I mean, the list goes on and on of the other players that are affected and in the same situation that just aren't the hot hot topic right Not now. Not the new quarterback. Right. Yeah, <laughs> But it, it applies to multiple guys in terms of how they're going to have to uh, answer to the adversity and face the adversity and ultimately overcome that adversity. But I think with Duck, man, from what I've seen from him, he does seem like a guy who will receive it? He doesn't seem like the guy that feels as if he's too big or above reproach, above criticism. Right. He doesn't give off that type of vibe, and that's good to see. And Mason as well. I got to tip my cap to him. He doesn't come off like that as well.
1: So then, in a week like this, specifically for Duck in this regard, how do you balance right that that con- that criticism and that you know looking back at the mistakes you made and and addressing those as opposed to turning the page right? And just getting ready for your next opportunity. Where's the balance in there between the critiques and the criticism and the improvements and while also looking ahead at your next opportunity and getting ready for the Jets as well?
4: Well, see, that's the beauty of this game, right? So you watch the film study. The film study element is where you dwell on last week in terms of your errors, your big mm-hmm. mistakes you made. The 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 out the the deep out from the left hash to the right sideline, the pass was intercepted by Tradavius White. That's the pick that you you harp on Because you say to yourself I thought it was fire zone coverage They were bringing a corner blitz But it was cover three behind it So I know now that I can't just assume if it's a corner blitz, is going to be this coverage. It could be this as well, and it looks very similar, but there are little details associated with it. The minutia. You're, right, you're seeing flat defender or curl flat defender. That's the guy you read. So, essentially, if you have your quarterback where Tredavious was, it would be the guy aligned directly inside of him. Okay. The guy who was lined up on Tevin Jones. That's the guy that you're reading. If he is bursting under number one, well, now you know that's cover three. Don't make that throw. If he's turning and running with Tevin Jones in a man-like move, now you know it's a fire zone concept. Now you make that throw. Those are the little details that you learn from that last game. Sure. That's what you take from it. Then you also take what you did good. You say, okay, I was able to throw a nice touch pass here. All
1: right. We had that really nice
4: drive right, to We start had the second drive. half, and we went right. down and scored. So you take bits and pieces from it. But all of those things, you're factoring in and trying to figure out how, number one, can I improve myself? That's the interception element of it, right? You're focused. That's the self-scout. Yes. Okay, I know I need to do like this better. Term. Self-scout. Yeah, you got a self-scout. So it's like, all right, I know now I need to do this. I can't do that. Now, when you're talking about. Overall, as a team, what you carry over to the Jets game, you focus on that drive coming out of the half. This is what we did. Well, this is what we did. Boom. That worked. That worked. Okay, let's see. How can I carry that over to this Jets defense? Sure. What are some of the things? Oh, they're corners. Okay, they're banged up in the secondary. What carries okay, over? Okay, well, that, yeah. I think that concept carries over into mm-hmm. this. And that's how you balance the two of looking ahead, but at the same time learning from the past.
1: Who better to speak on that than one Arthur Motes himself, who's been there and lived it out, baby. We always do. I mean, you know, you would take adversity right on the chin and keep on rolling with the punches. Hey, man, I'm
4: learning from my mistakes. I'm learning from my adversity.
1: (laughs) Yes, the people are giving it to you on the Twitter.com. Hey,
4: man, you got to respect it, man. Hold me accountable. If I'm too big for a reproach, if I'm too big for criticism, what have I done with myself? You feel me? I'm a man, I can admit when I'm wrong. You know what? Wesley? I apologize to you. I apologize <laughs> to the power grid, baby, cuz I dropped the ball. I was JV. But I'm here now, you baby. Got an opportunity to get right. Hey, hey, hey. Got an opportunity I'm here now.
1: To get right. <laughs> 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 1 hour in the books. When we come back, you know, we'll get back on to our, our standard Thursday schedule. So you know what that means. In the second hour, we got three questions. We got three guarantees. We'll get to your reaction on Twitter. Some good questions here. And also, we'll play uh you know, a game that's become one of our new favorites on the show. The one jet that you would pluck from the roster
0: oh. and add to the
1: Pittsburgh Steelers Uh-oh. if you could. So get in on the conversation. You already know the drill on Twitter at Wesley Euler at the body fifty da two. The body. One hour in the books, another hour to go, and we return inside the electric factory. It's Euler remotes. You are listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR.
0: Hewler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio.
1: Good afternoon, Steelers Nation. How we feeling? Well, that's good. You're remotes with you here inside the Electric Factory. We are both live now from the UPMC Rooney Sports Complex on the so, south so, so side of yeah. Pittsburgh. Let's
4: with the emphasis on that, we are both live. Like
1: I'm just being honest with the people. Transparency. wow, wow. So that's that's what we're doing now. You gotta be wow. honest. You gotta be, transparent. you gotta be transparent. That's crazy. That's crazy. That's crazy. I just threw you under the bus there, like I was Regina Man. George. <laughs> Having some fun. It's a, you know that's the one thing you know I'll say. People can say a lot of things about us, Motzi. I think the one thing that they could say is that we're never dull, never boring. Never that, man. We got a spice to that, baby. Keep you on your toesies. That's what we do. Arthur Motz, my new favorite game that we've been playing on Thursdays. I want to get right into it here with you in this segment. The one guy from the other team that you would pluck and add to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, remember, there's some considerations with this, right? Age. Uh, how the steel, like, because we talked about Kyler Murray with the Cardinals, that you could bring in Kyler Murray. You could still have Ben for another two years. Perfect transition, franchise quarterback to franchise quarterback. It's like going from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. Uh, we talked a little bit about that last week. Cap considerations are involved in this. So, guys that are really producing on their rookie deals are, you know, juicy, intriguing, if you will. So, Arthur Motes ahead of Sunday. Wow,
4: why well, I got to go first?
1: You want me to go first? You go first, man, because for me, I'm biased. It's, is it gonna be the guy you shared the locker room with for a few years? Who used to well, you be said this you, you said it like
4: I only had one guy with this. multiple I have two guys that I shared a locker room with over there. That's true. One guy that went to my alma mater. Ooh. Are you serious right now? Like, yeah.
1: I've got three guys on my list. I do too. And spoiler alert: this has kind of become a theme here. They're all on the offensive side of the football. <laughs> are you serious? Yeah. Jeez, mine are two and two, two on offense, two on defense. Really? Yeah. Okay. You want to go first? All right, I'll go first, man. I'll go first. first. And like I
4: said, this has no indictment on any of my Pittsburgh Steelers because I love all my Steelers. I love all the guys that are up there right now. Any of the guys that I've actually had the chance to sit down and talk with, you know, in a a personal capacity or in a professional capacity, you already know how I feel about y'all. So let's just throw that out there right now. But with that being said, If I had to choose Uh multiple players or a player Uh from Zed, Jets roster.
0: Yeah, I like Jamal Adams a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I ain't going to lie to you,
4: bro. And and I'm I'm looking at the way he plays, how they use him in the Blitz. Very uh, Troy-esque. And I think to myself, what's better than having just Troy when you can have a Troy and Ed Reed combo? Oh, my goodness. Because no, I didn't know, even think about yeah, that. Yeah, because Minka's the Ed Reed back there. But, you know, Jamal Adams would definitely be the Troy, the way he blitzes, the way he's active in the run game. Mm-hmm. That would be a very
0: formidable
1: tandem. Mm, it sure yes. would. It sure would. I like that. Yeah, that
4: would be my first guy.
1: Okay. Um, you so want to go back yeah, and Yeah, yeah we'll go back okay. and forth, yeah. So – I left – Sam Darnold is not one of mine because opposite of – like when I was thinking about this, right, because I thought, okay, Kyler Murray I said last week, well, Sam Darnold saying, right, young guy, you could mold him, yeah. have Ben come back, and then boom. But Sam Darnold's in his second season, mm-hmm. which means that if, you know, Ben comes back healthy next year and you had Sam Darnold – Ben plays two more years, well, then all of a sudden you have to make a contract decision with Sam Darnold before he's even really your guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that money becomes more of an issue there with the years and everything. So I didn't like that as much as I like Kyler Murray even though I do like Sam Darnold for the next 12 years as an NFL quarterback, uh, I mean, all right, come on. I'll be that guy. Number one on my list is Lev Bell. Like, without a doubt, I would put him on the Pittsburgh Steelers right now and we ride.
4: I like it. That was going to be my number two guy yeah. <laughs> because i shared a locker room with this guy for four years. He's got me out of some stadiums in four mm. years. He's done some things that I've never seen before in four years, both on the field and on the practice field, like in-game and practice games, practice settings. That dude, I've never – like, in terms of work ethic, dude, he – I tell you all the time, man, the two guys that hands down were the hardest workers I've ever been around was him and A.B. Okay. Everybody talks James Harrison, love Debo to death. We already had this conversation. A.B. and L. Bell were on another level. They don't post it on the Gram, so everybody can't get enamored with it. (laughs) But those dudes on another level. And, And, yeah, without a doubt, man, yeah. I'm definitely bringing him back.
1: I still remember what it would have been. It was a 15-16 season, so it would have been the 16 playoffs. Yes. The Dolphins and the Chiefs. Yep. When A.B. was out. And and, and L. it was left, Lev, Lev, Carried Lev, us. Lev, Lev,
4: and, Lev, and And, and Lev. the thing was this, he was hurt going into the Chiefs game and was still carrying us. And then that's what made me so perturbed with the fans and the media with – how he offen- he <laughs> eventually gets hurt in the Patriots game, and they just right. go on and on and on. And I'm like, this cat is putting it on the line multiple weeks to get to us here, and this is how y'all think. This is how y'all are This, y'all him. And, this- and-, and you wonder why, guys? Say be smart. Don't Don't put yourself out there like that. That's part of the reason right there.
1: I remember the game plan from that Kansas City Chiefs win. It was first down, hand it off the left. Yep. Second down, throw it or hand it off the left. Yep. Third down, throw it or hand it off the left. Yes. That was the offensive gameplay.
4: Yep. and we said defensively, don't <laughs> if they don't if they don't score a touchdown, we'll be fine.
1: I still remember those two playoff games. Unbelievable. And I should and say. And minimize this too, Tyreek Hill. I will say, 100%. Because
4: that was a whole another animal right there. I,
1: I, I will say with this, too, and I think if we gave him some truth serum, he would admit this as well. Uh, it would benefit Lev to, to come back here as well, too. It oh, wouldn't just benefit the Steelers. Yeah. It would benefit both parties. Without a
4: doubt. But let's be real. We know why it all played out the way it played out. It was a money thing. It was never, uh, I think that I'm better or I can go and, and do it over here without you guys. No, it was just I know I'm going to get paid more to go here. Or the contract is going to be more beneficial to his eyes, not to fans' eyes or anyone else's eyes, to him, which is what matters the most because it was his decision. You know, that's just how it worked out.
1: All right. So, Lev was your second guy. Yes. Uh, My next two – I don't know who I would necessarily have it second. I actually wanted to get your opinion on this. But okay. they both play the same position, and they're both the same age. And they both have about the same salary cap. Hint.
4: All right, all right.
1: Uh, I would take one of the wide receivers, Robbie Anderson or Jamison Crowder. Ooh. I'm just not sure which one. I would have to – I mean, if you look at them, statistically That's very tough. similar. Salary cap, very similar. Like That's I said, they're tough. both 26 years old, yeah. so it's not like one's younger than the other. But Lev would be my number one pick, and then my second pick would be would one probably, of the wide receivers. I would
4: probably lean more Jameson just because of how you factor him into our offense. I'm assuming that James Washington continues on his trajectory. Obviously, Juju is who he is. Deontay is nasty. You know that. And I just think, like, having another one of those athlete-type guys that could just— You could never have too many of those Right, guys. right. And that's how I look. And then I'm also thinking just the mismatches that he or Deontay would get Due to all of them being out there in these four wide sets, stuff like, yeah, yeah I love that one. Yeah. But Robbie Addis is a dog,
1: too. <laughs> they're both they're yeah. both good.
4: So, my third guy is a D lineman because, you know, I'm a defensive side. I'm a defensive guy. Of course. Quentin Williams, man.
1: Oh, that's a great one. Yeah. It's a great one. First, I was and thinking, he'll be back this Sunday.
4: Yep. At first, I was thinking Big Steve because that's, that's my old teammate, my dog. Sure. But I was like, you know what? Quentin, he, he's a lot more dynamic. He could do a lot more, man. Obviously, he has the pedigree coming from Bioma.
1: Buy him, and he,
4: he and he blesses himself when he sneezes, which I think is pretty cool. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so he was your third guy. Yeah, yeah, he was my third okay, guy. And then you said you had a fourth. I did have a fourth guy. Fourth.
4: This is where my biasness comes in. Give me JMU Daniel, boy. Yeah, absolutely. Give me Daniel Brown, man, tight end slash. Big body receiver slash. Oh, yeah, And
1: think about that. The Jets have a WVU tight end as well too, Trayvon Wesco. Yeah, you see, he's behind my guy though, right?
4: Go he's Dukes. Also a rookie. You see, rookie. he's behind my guy though, right? Go Dukes. He's behind my guy though, right? Go Dukes. Yeah.
1: There we go. If you want to tweet us who you would take, what Jet you would take, at Wesley Euler at the Body Fifty Two. <laughs> the Body. Dukes play tomorrow or Saturday?
4: Uh, Saturday, six thirty okay. p.m.
1: on ESPNU,
4: ESPN. Use ESPN Saturday too. It is because the uh, Christmas because
0: Christmas coming up. Yeah, I was so the whole that schedule's sense. like thrown off. Yeah. You no know,
1: Thursday game tonight. That's a bummer. Yeah. Uh, one other thing I wanted to touch, and it kind of relates to this, I guess, players that we think are best and things. It's A similar type of conversation that we were just having. Did you see the uh, All Decade team was released? Yes. Two Pittsburgh Steelers on there, both on the offensive side of the football. And remember, this is an All Decade team, so you might be thinking like, oh, Troy Polamalu. He retired in what? 2014." Yeah. This is an all no 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 fifty. This is an all-decade team. So from 2010 through 2019, two yeah. Pittsburgh Steelers, both on the offensive side of the football, Marquise Pouncey and Antonio Brown. Not surprised by either of those.
4: Yeah, I agree. I'm You to argue surprised for the last ten
1: years, years, AB's been the best receiver in football. Which not is this why, year. which is argue, why a lot of guys were,
4: which is why a lot of people were surprised that he didn't make the uh, the top 100 wide receivers or whatever yeah. it was like that list that yeah. was coming out. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I wasn't as surprised about that. That's the
4: politics, though, man. When, it is, and I,
1: they take into account with that stuff, honestly, too. They take in your accolades.
4: I don't want to hear that, some man. Some rings. No, 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 some, no, no, no. I, I know you, you don't want to hear you, that, but i Do you I'm know who's on that
1: list? Did you see who was on wide that list? wide receiver one. Yes. I don't know if I saw the wide receiver one, actually. Lofton. Uh, right, uh, right. Was Randy Moss on there?
4: I believe he was. Chris Carter was up there.
1: No, Calvin Johnson.
4: Uh, Let me check. We can get back to Let's that. Let's get back to that. Yes, Quarter- but it was very disrespectful. Under no circumstances should those guys be up there above that man.
1: Quarterback on the All Decade Team, duh, Tom Brady, no brainer, right?
4: But nobody believes in him, man. He has. I know it's crazy. So you much, know, man. nobody
1: believes in Tom Brady. And he's the always having chips
4: stacked up against him, man. This is tough round.
1: Running backs, they had Adrian Peterson, which I obviously agree with. NFL MVP in 2012, last non-quarterback to win the MVP award. Yeah, Zeke Elliott. A guy who's mm. only been in the league for, what, four years of the decade? I'm just saying man. I mean, I know he's really good. He's good. But they had AP and Zeke as the running backs. Rob Gronkowski as the tight end. That's another one. That's not surprising anybody. That's yeah. a bit of a no-brainer. Uh, even still with the early retirement at age 29. Oh, yeah, I didn't re- 29? Man. Moch, you know, I'm going to be 29 here in like three months. You are? Does that mean I can retire? I'm going to be 29 in February. Does that mean I can retire?
4: Well, no, you should probably wait till you're in the thirties. That's what I did. I wait till okay. I was thirty. Okay,
1: fair enough, fair enough. Wide receivers, and they did this a little differently. They actually had twelve guys on offense and defense to allow for different schematics and things like that. Wide receivers: Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, Calvin Johnson. Uh, no, no beef there. I think without a doubt, uh, those three for me are the, are the best wide receivers that I watched this past decade. A, B, Julio Jones, Calvin Johnson, and then I think there is a gap there between big, anybody else. A big gap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, left tackle Joe Thomas. Not surprising at all. Uh, left guard, I always mispronounce his first name, so I'm not even going to try, but from the Baltimore Ravens, Osemele, right, at left guard. Yes. Is it is it Kelich? Is that how you pronounce his first name?
4: Uh, Kelchi? Don't, don't, don't get me to butcher his name.
1: Center Marquis Pouncy, Right guard, Marshall Yanda. This one really going to steam Mozi. Right tackle, your boy, your favorite. The guy you just loved lining up against when he was suspended for PED. Mr. Oh, Mr. Lane Johnson.
4: Sucker. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I was a little surprised that he was the yeah. all-decade right tackle. I'd have to look into that a little bit more. But he's another. he didn't come into the league until 2013? Was it 13? Yeah, I don't know. I 12 don't, or 13? Yeah, it was up there. Yeah, he's missed sometimes. some time with suspension. Yeah, I don't know about that one, but I'd have to look into it before I knocked it. Because, again, you know the rule. We always talk about this with Pro Bowl you gonna if you're gonna rip on somebody you, you take
4: somebody out you yeah. take them
1: out you know you're gonna give All somebody right. credit take somebody out uh defensive side of the football here uh JJ Watt at your left end Duh. uh Aaron Donald and Gino Atkins as your interior guys were you surprised that Gino got the nod over Sue
4: no Geno's no? a dog Gino just plays for Bengals.
1: yeah that's his problem man. he's got 75 and a half sacks that's what I'm saying if you play if he played for any, <laughs> that's if, real, I mean listen really listen good.
4: if Gino played for the Steelers he would be talked about in those same type of conversations yeah. as, like, Aaron and all those other guys. Like, But he plays for the Bengals. That's
1: the issue. And then right end, Justin Houston.
4: I mean, he was a dog, too, man. You think, man? He, yeah, I mean, he's, and he's still
1: producing. He had 22 sacks in 2014. Yeah. Yeah.
4: And like I said, he still gets numbers. Yeah. It's he's just because he's not getting 22s anymore. You're like, ah, he do Since don't got
1: 2017, it. he's got 27 and a half <laughs> right. sacks still. Saying, it's, just, like, it's Justin Houston. Uh, yeah. Linebackers, outside guys, th- this is the easiest. I could have picked these four linebackers. Chandler Jones up there? Without a doubt. Vaughn Miller and Khalil Mack on the outside. Bobby Wagner and Keekly inside. Duh. I mean, I'm sorry you, uh, got, I'm sorry you got snubbed uh, there, Mozi, but I think right, those four. All
4: right, all right, all right. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. I feel some type of way a little bit about that list.
1: Which one don't you like?
4: The Khalil Mack one. I feel like I would rather have Chandler Jones over him.
1: Okay. That's just me personally because of
4: what we're talking about. But this is the issue. Are they viewing him as it's a 4-3? the past
1: decade, remember. Right, I would right. argue Suggs should have that spot.
4: Well, you're in the past decade, yeah. Because I'm saying over <laughs> the past decade, look at Chandler's numbers. Granted, I think this is year eight for him. Yeah. But look at his look numbers. Look at Suggs' numbers over right. the That's what I'm saying. Like, Vaughn, without a doubt. Vaughn, without a doubt. yeah.
1: Bobby Wagner, Luke Keekly, without a without doubt. If a Patrick doubt. Willis had played a little bit longer, you it would been him. You yeah. could put him in that conversation. But uh, corners getting into the secondary: Richard Sherman, Darrell Revis. Yeah. Duh. Yeah. Duh. Safeties: Earl Thomas. I think a no-brainer. Eric Berry. Ooh. But then I thought again: If I'm going to knock it, who else do I put in there? I would go
4: Cam Chancellor.
1: I thought about Cam Chancellor. I thought about Eric Weddle. Maybe.
4: I'm not a Weddle guy.
1: Uh, and McCordy, those were the three that I thought. I like McCordy. I
4: felt like I just felt like Cam had the more impact plays, the splash plays.
1: I agree. I also do think. And he's
4: from my hometown, so I'm a little biased. There you go. But he get, he went to Texas. I don't really like him like when,
1: that. When when we do these all decade things, I think we remember the last five years as opposed to the first five yes, years. Correct. Man, when Eric Berry was he in was his was like good, 2012, yeah. 13, well, well, 14. Well, because you
4: know he was a part of that like elite draft class that did have. Cam Chancellor in it that did have
1: – Arthur Motz.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And no, I think well, that 2010 draft class was pretty special.
1: Uh, kicker Justin Tucker, duh.
4: Oh, man, he made it?
1: <laughs> Hunter, Johnny Hecker, I mean Pat McAfee uh, just getting snubbed wow. there. No, that, that's uh, – For the brand. I, I got to say, honestly – Who got
4: who was named the long snapper of the decade?
1: They didn't, they didn't put one. They put a kick returner. They that's put Cordell Patterson, but no long snapper. And then Coach. I'll give you one guess who the coach was. Oh, man. Yep, Hugh Jackson. Rex you Ryan. You nailed it.
4: Rex Ryan. Was it Rex? <laughs> he got runner-up to Hugh Jackson. Oh, okay, okay.
1: Nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs>
4: it's probably going to be Marvin Lewis, honestly. Oh, honestly, though. Ooh,
1: now you're talking. Yeah, it's definitely be Marvin. Nick Saban, NFL coach of the decade. <laughs> For his tenure Jeez. down in Miami. On Twitter, Ooh. at Leslie Euler, at TheBody52. The Body. We'll take your questions, comments, concerns, and reactions there. When we come back. I uh, asked yes, the questions here. Three questions and three guarantees on a Thursday. I got some fun ones today Uh-oh. for Arthur Motes. There's a big movie release happening tomorrow.
4: Ooh! Little,
1: little hint for you as to what we could get into with some of these three questions, but you got to come back with us to find out. Inside the Electric Factory, it's Euler and Motes having some fun on a Thursday. You are listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR.
0: The Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR.
1: Oh, our number two segment number two on a Thursday. That can only mean one thing. So what for, does it mean, baby? What does it mean? It's time for three questions and three guarantees here inside the Electric Factory. As always, Arthur Motes. I'll start with the guarantees. Okay. Right, because, you know, the questions we spend a little more time on, you know, we... We kick around a little bit. We embrace debate a little bit. And, you know, you always got to start with the thing you're most confident in, right? Right, right. It's not the questions, the guarantee. Right? All right, I'm going to start with one that I think you'll like because it gives the Steelers' defense some props, and I feel really good about this one. The Jets on Sunday at MetLife Stadium against the Steelers. That offense is going – and Sam Darnold are going to throw for less than 170 pass yards.
4: Yeah, I like that guarantee a lot, man.
1: Their average on the season is about 200 yards per yeah. game. This Steelers defense is going to give them fits. Absolutely. I don't think the weather's supposed to be too bad, but you never know what could happen. It's it's New Jersey. It's New York in the no, middle no, of December. No, 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 it's not New York. It's New Jersey. You it's, said New right? Jersey it's New Jersey in the, in the middle of December. Yeah. The Jets average about 200 pass yards per game. They're going to be held below 170, Sam, Darnold, and company on Sunday. That's guarantee number one.
4: I like that a lot, actually, man. I'm rolling with you on that one.
1: All right. I like it. I, I, I think you're going to maybe roll with me on this one, but not like it, if that makes <laughs> sense. Uh, Arthur Motes, we talked a little about this in the opening segment. Uh, two teams in the National Football League that hold their opponents, on average, under 90 rush yards per game. Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the New York Jets. Right. The Jets have the second-best defense statistically in the league against the run. At the same time, and yes, I know James Conner's back in the fold, but the Steelers have only gone as a team into the triple digits over 100 rush yards just five times this season in 14 games. So, guarantee number two, the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to have under 100 yards rushing as a team combined Sunday at MetLife Stadium. And I don't like that one because (sighs) I think that's going to make it more difficult for them to win the game, but i got to be honest. That's tough. I got to be honest, under 170 pass yards for the Jets offense, under 100 rush yards for the Stiller offense. Yeah, that's tough. I'm not a fan of that one at all.
4: But unfortunately, I have to disagree with you, and here is why. I'm thinking, due to the last performance that we saw from the offense and how – unbalanced it was and how many turnovers they acquired. I think they go into this game with that added emphasis on rushing the ball, on committing to the rush. Some what we saw from Buffalo. Hmm. Early on, Buffalo wasn't having a lot of success running the ball, but they just committed to it. They put their they, – they, they put the foot down and doubled down on running the ball. And you can see by the amount of carries between Devin Singletary and Frank Gore, and that's not even counting the quarterback-designed runs by Josh Allen. So, with that being the case, I think we see that type of assertiveness in the run game. I think we see that type of mentality. And I think James Conner being, like I said, another it's week an healthy. Yeah. That, that That changes things. And I think that's why we'll see them get over the 100-yard
1: mark. All right. So, you're with me on my first one. You're against me on my second one. Nobody can, goes against the fan. We got to go to the rubber match. <laughs> <laughs> we got to go to the rubber match here, right? I'm riding this one again, Motze. I have brought it up earlier in this oh, season. i man. riding it here again. Here we go. Here we go. Eventually, right, you just do. It's not going to happen. No offensive turnover for the the Pittsburgh Steelers. (laughs) It's been 21. Blackjack, 21 games in a row that the Steelers offense. That dates back to Ben Roethlisberger last year with a turnover. Listen, man. No offensive turnover, Steelers. Come on. I hear you saying that. I hear you.
4: I'm just not seeing it happen, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes, sometimes – you know, it, it, if it looks like this, sounds like this, and smells like this, sometimes it, like it wacks
1: like a duck and quacks like a duck. See, I ain't
4: want to go the duck route because we got a duck on the team. But if it's been going over twenty-one straight games, 21. 20, 21. I just feel like it's only gonna go for twenty-two. That's all I'm saying, man. I, I hate, I hate to be that guy. So
1: you think, it's, but they
4: get you, creative. We've seen the creativity associated with these turnovers. Okay, the Cardinals game, for example. We take care of the passing element of it. Benny Snell puts it on the ground. Okay. We come to the Bills game. We get the four picks, but take away the four picks. We don't even need the four picks. You get the Deontay Johnson fumble on the Wildcat. Is it here? Like, come on, man. What are we doing? Like, literally every week, every week, it's something. It's something. And I don't know off the top of my head. Who's gonna be the corporate? Just my luck. Just my luck. It'd be Nick Vanette. Nick Vanette'd get his 15 yard catch. we will be like, yeah, Nick Vanette's balling. And then the ball get punched out from behind. Like that. That's that's the type of stuff that's going on right now. So forgive me for my lack of optimism when it comes to the Steelers and then protecting the ball. I hope I'm wrong, but I just can't go on. I can't. Yeah. I won't. I will. I will <laughs> 21 games. I will not put myself on the line for a 22nd one. That's all I'm saying, man.
1: What's that whole attitude? <laughs> fool me, fool me once, shame on you. Yeah, fool me twice,
4: fool me twenty-one times. they ain't, they ain't gonna fool me no we more, won't man. Fool again. Yeah,
1: listen, I, I don't believe it. I don't. I refuse. Twenty-one straight games. You know you're
0: you're due. You're Tw- due. Twenty-one
4: straight. Not 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 twenty-one over a, a three-year
1: span. Not twenty-one out of twenty-two. Or We're talking
4: twenty-one in a row. It, it's been multiple suspects. We talk Ben. We can talk. Any other guys on offense, yeah. Juju, James, Conner, Duck, Mason, Antonio Deontay, Brown, I think, last A.B., year. Yeah. James, Washington. Yep. I mean, the list goes on and on. Mm-hmm. On and on and, and on. on, on. Jalen Samuels. Jalen Samuels got creative. Remember that versus the Ravens? He got creative. He threw a pick. Mm-hmm. He said, here, man, you catch this one. Mm-hmm. With that being the case, baby?
1: I just can't. Can't do it. 21 straight. Can't do it, man. 1, 2, Buckle my shoe. You, 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 three, you, four, you every week from here
4: on out until that streak is,
1: you just keep saying that's the week, all right? Five, six, no more picks. This is the week. So your three guarantees. Jets, I hope you're right. I will not be wrong. Jets below 170 pass yards, Steelers below 100 rush yards, and no offensive turnover. I'm really putting myself out there for that one. Yeah, boy. Setting yourself up for the Steelers. All right, those are your three guarantees. Now for the three questions. Arthur Motz, uh I'm going to call on your football experience again here. I want to harken back. Uh-oh. Well, I guess, granted, this could be high school, college, in the pros. All right? But I want to harken back to your days of football, your. Yeah. All right? Because nine years ago today, a thing happened. I'm sure we all remember it. You know how I know we remember it because you know it's good when it's got a nickname, right? The mm. Immaculate Reception. Yeah. The Music City Miracle. Yeah. The miracle at the Meadowlands, Uh. nine years ago today when the Giants, for whatever reason, decided to punt the Deshaun Jackson with three seconds left. I love that play. (laughs) I love that play. That was beautiful. That was nine years ago today. And and he
4: displayed terrible ball security like he always does by dropping the punt initially.
1: Nine years ago today. So, Arthur Motes, I want to ask you, and, again, this could be high school, college, NFL, something like that, what was the craziest ending to a football game that you were ever a part of?
4: Does it have to be NFL? Or just no, it could be, NFL. You
1: could tell me it was a time in high school we threw a 70-yard oh, no, no, Hail no, no. Mary at the buzzer to, yeah, to so win so the I, game.
4: Actually, uh, this would have been 2008, the year we went to the semifinals at James Madison University. So we won 12 games in a row after losing to uh, UNC to open the season up. Okay. We are playing Villanova the Wildcats. Villanova Wildcats, you know, a little, little PA, Philly team. And at the time, like I said, we had one loss. I was the UNC. We had one off like eight in a row. This this game wins, we go we'll crush the uh, the conference and ultimately have a a nice like one overall seed into the uh, playoffs. So we're playing Villanova. They are playing us tough, and it's a monsoon. It's pouring down.
1: The and game. This, wait, was this inf? It was infill. Okay, inf- inf- okay inf- Yeah, inf- yeah. Inf- yeah gotcha. So so
4: the game is crazy. Like it's going back and forth, and literally they have the lead. We get the ball back with probably ten seconds left. Looking at about, I, I think we we're say, on, we're on our
1: own. 40. Okay, so yeah.
4: 60
0: yards to the end. Are you uh, down?
1: Yeah, we're down. We're, how many, though? We're field down, goal,
4: uh, touchdown? No, no, we're down uh, five. Okay. So we knew we couldn't kick a field. We had to score. And like I said, we were the number one seed, been killing everybody, and this is what it comes down to. And literally, we throw a Hail Mary to a guy. I think at the time, he might have had 10 catches on the season. Tops. But because we're Hail Mary, we have five wide sets, so he gets in. Quarterback throws it super far up in the air. Like I said, it's raining, you can't see anything. And literally, the cat jumps up, catches the ball one foot down on the back end line to score the <laughs> game winning <laughs> touchdown.
1: Pandemonium. Insane. Pandemonium. Insane.
4: And it was crazy because, like, for us, we were the favorites. Like, we were supposed to beat them by, like, three touchdowns. And it was just, like, one of those games where they're slowing the ball down, running it, using up all the clock. And it's like, yo, like, what is this? Right. And then – that was happy because we got to see them again later in the playoffs, and everybody's like, "Oh, they're gonna beat y'all now," and we proceeded to like.
1: And they they had to come. to They had to come to JMU, and
4: yeah, we proceeded to drop them on ESPN too.
1: So was that was that like the last game of the regular season? It was
4: the second to last second game. Second to last game. Yeah, because okay. we 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 had already won enough that if we won that game, we were gonna be able to clinch gotcha. going into before our last game. Gotcha. But it was nuts, man. <laughs> I will never forget. That was the only time I've ever won on a hell mary. That's the only time I've ever been in a stadium when a hell mary has been completed successful. Yeah. And we just happened to be on the right side of history.
1: I'm trying to think. I don't know if I've ever been in a football stadium mm-hmm. when a Hail Mary's been completed. Like,
4: literally zero seconds on the clock after the catch. Insane. I
1: love it. Yeah. I love it.
4: They hated it. <laughs> I'm sure they did. <laughs> I-, I ran into a couple of other guys. Like not good. Yeah. <laughs> not good. A couple of other guys, especially uh, Daryl Young actually played okay. fullback yep, yep, for the Redskins. A long time. Like, we played, play, played against each other. When I was in Buffalo, obviously here in Pittsburgh, and we talk about it all the time, it's like he's bro, still like, sick about oh, it. Oh yeah, he's be- like, bro, y'all were supposed to make that, and that that never happens. I'm like, yo, you're just a part of history now, man. It's any all given, good, bro. Any
1: given day, man. Yeah,
4: we got a hell mary from like our our tenth receiver on the roster who just happened to be up at the top. Like, yeah, if under any circumstances where they have ever thrown him the ball, not a nope. chance. But it was just because of the injuries and he that has to it be even, out that there. Makes it even yeah, better. he just had to be out there, and sure enough, he catches the ball. You're like, what? You caught that out of all people? It was you? And we're – and this that's is – and, and, and come on, it's college football. So, you know, we're, like, spread offense, sure, but we, we got a sure. running – our quarterback was the leading rusher on the team. Like, that's the mindset. Okay. Like, yeah. So, we're not throwing the ball like that. So, the fact that you the fifth, sixth, seventh receiver, and you catch it, that that just speaks volumes to how crazy that game was, man. I <laughs> oh,
1: love it. I love it. That's three question Thursday question What about one. you, man? Um, craziest that I was ever a part of – Oh man, now you're getting me going back here. I would have been. It was. You know what? Actually, it was my 14th birthday. Ooh. Okay. Um, okay. I, I played for the North Pittsburgh Wildcats. We were playing the Amateur Penguins. Yeah. They were like our rival. You know, it was the double A. Mm. Uh, it was the double A semifinal game. So, Ooh, spot okay. of the yeah. championship on my line it was my 14th birthday. Yeah. Uh, my fam, a lot of my family was in town. We're down a goal at the end of the game. Uh huh. 55 seconds left, and our best Ooh. player takes a penalty. So, right, it's over. We're down a goal. We're shorthanded. There's 55 seconds left in the game. Yeah, that's tough. That's tough. Game's over. That's tough. Um, 27 seconds left. I pinch it. Uh, the amateur pens threw the puck around the board yeah. trying, trying to break it out because we're pressing, right? Even though we're shorthanded, Got we're to, pressing. Yeah. We're trying to get our goalie off the bench to no get time. a fifth skater yeah. back out there. They wheeled the puck around the boards, and I pinched down because obviously what, you know, what risk am I doing here? Like, we got to manufacture something. What, you going to score again on us? I stole (laughs) the puck at the point just inside the blue line, and I didn't even look at the net. I just winded up as hard as I could. Slapshot five-hole win in on the goalie. Whoa. And then, and then we won the game in overtime.
0: <laughs> <Hero>. <laughs>
1: and so it was my that's 14th dope. birthday. My whole family was – you know, I oh, skated over dope. into the corner of the dope. boards and jumped up where yeah, my family was. So, yeah. <laughs> that was my crazy ending moment. And that's then, like dope. I said, like – and then, like, 30 seconds into overtime, we won the game. Yeah. I mean, so it was, like, real quick. It was, quick. So it was real quick. Back. That's yeah. tight. So that would be it for me. That was a lot of – I got some fun. Yeah, I like that. that I kind like of that. Um – second question for you here on three question thursday i just want to know how you feel about these saturday football games how it throws off your routine as an nfl player or if you know if it wasn't for college football if it was may- maybe something you'd like to see more
4: um i'd like that they just do it just like in these special situations christmas, like christmas time frame. playoffs yeah. yeah because ultimately i feel like saturdays are for college football i feel like the the amateurs as they like to call them even though I don't consider them amateurs because of the amount of money they generate for these colleges but ultimately man I do think that Saturdays belong to the kids for the college kids man I agree but Sundays are are, are the big boys
1: like you said the Lord's Day you know yeah that's absolutely your, that's man your God day.
4: God created Sunday for church and football period <laughs> I love it you know and but when they do get a chance to play on Saturday I think it's a nice changeup mm-hmm. but only because it's rare it's kind of like the Thanksgiving game right it's like you don't see it often where it's it's a holiday game. It's, it's a right. special occasion. It's a it's a nice changeup, but you don't need it a lot. I
1: wouldn't want to see it happening more often. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Particularly, like you said, for the college for the for the college game and on I Saturdays. Think for
4: for this time of year for college football too, it's, it's bowl season now. Right. So you know. So there's games starting at. Right. So it's like there's games that start at noon tomorrow. Right. So it's gonna be wacky. It's not even yeah. like traditional like where you get the full college Saturdays Saturday, saturday yeah. schedule yeah. yeah and if you're i mean west virginia you don't even have any like big time games we got a we we got a we got a, 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 a semifinal we, we got a, a we got, got an FCS semifinal football game saturday night prime although, time hey make sure you watch this too espn 3 espn u make sure you check or if you got the espn watch app you can watch it on that too man
1: maybe i will get some, yeah, man, get sure some action up. on that although I'll be, I'll i will say person, of the three people involved with the show right now me you and our esteemed producer Kellen, who's mm-hmm. a penn state guy uh, two of our three basketball teams are ranked. I don't, how know, how, I don't know how you I don't know how, your Dukes, I don't know how your Dukes are doing, but uh, my, my thing is, it's still football season. You realize that, right? Listen, you can have more than one season. At a time. It's Christmas season. No. It's football season. No, it's it's basketball. It's hockey no, season. No, 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 it's no, no, gift giving. It's, it's, it's not hockey Star season. Star Wars season. Listen,
4: listen, listen. It's not hockey season until football
1: season ends. Well, I mean, now you're speaking like a true Yenzer. Like what? Hockey season? And it's not baseball season ever. Ever. Unless, like, like 2012 and 13. Yeah, that's
4: it. Like, (laughs) cut it out. It's still football season. As long as one of our three teams are still playing.
1: Well, two of our three teams are still playing in football. That's
4: unfortunate for the the party that doesn't get to play.
1: Uh, Yeah, but you know what? One of our teams beat the other one of our teams head-to-head.
4: Oh man, mm. and they what could and say? they could watch a root and what root, root for them because that make y'all feel better when They'd we win it all.
1: I hope you do win it all because then we're the FCS champions, right? We right, beat you guys. and it make you guys feel better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a last one for you here, Motzi. Tomorrow it is Star Wars season as it well. Is Star Wars. I was gonna wear a Star
4: Wars ugly Christmas sweater today too.
1: Episode nine out tomorrow, so I gotta ask you how, just how gung ho? Like, are you in a super hurry to watch it? When are you gonna go watch it? What's your excitement level?
4: I'm excited about it. Um. I just think that they are really good movies now. It's less about, like, the the old-school type characters like a Darth Vader. Obviously, Han Solo is no longer with us. But I just— Oh, he's not? Spoiler alert. Oh, oops. <laughs> if you ain't seen it by now, shame on you. But for me, man, I just— I, I am excited to see because I, I have daughters. Sure. So seeing a, a, a lead who is a woman— in an action movie like Star Wars, that it's fun I'm with them, right? It's fun with them because they're going to get up and get a kick out of it. So, I mean, we definitely will see it. We won't see it this weekend because You're obviously not going
1: tonight at midnight, nah, it's not happening tonight, bro. <laughs>
4: it's a long night, long, long, long night. But it will be seen very soon.
1: Yeah, I will probably go. I can actually, I can tell you when I'll go see it. I thought you said he's going to watch it on bootleg. Nah, <sighs> whenever <laughs> I am, I'm a very weir- I, this. I don't know if this is a hot take, but this is a West take. I, I love going to the movies by myself. These kind of movies, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, if Game of Thrones were a movie. Movies where I'm sitting there and I'm locked in for three hours. You know what I mean? I like going by myself. I know that sounds weird. When I used to live in Youngstown in Ohio, I I, got used to going to movies by myself. I'm glad
4: you said that because my wife has called me weird sometimes because I go to movies all the time. When I was in Arizona last year, Mm -hmm. I would go to the movies three times a week by myself right and get mad that I saw everything in there like yo you need a new movie out
1: and I I only like to go on weekdays because I don't like crowds yeah, I, hate, I, hate, I don't like yes, people I agree so whenever the Steelers season ends right mm-hmm. whenever that may be the following week when our schedule slows down yeah I will go see on like a Tuesday I'll yes. go see it even, even that's how I do movies
4: even during the season if I was going to go to the movies on a Saturday it would be like Twelve o'clock or one o'clock, super early. I'm not dealing with the late night Friday, Saturday night
1: crowd. Not happening. I'm with you on. I'm not trying to go to a movies and be packed in there like I'm at a Steelers game. You know what and I mean? I
4: don't like the fact when you got to deal with people in the crowd. They want to. They they want to cheer be and make
1: noise. And yeah, I'm like, I
4: didn't come here to hear you. I'm trying to listen to what they're saying. All right. I don't want to hear that. Or you got your baby in here crying. You shh. I don't want. No. I don't got time for that.
0: Yeah.
1: The only time I like to be packed in and people sitting next to me is when I'm at a sporting event. Other than that, I ain't got no patience. I ain't got no time for. See, crying. I don't like that. Get, get me in the booth. Well, that too. Well, yeah. you are Mr. Big Time. Or just find you in line waiting for the chicken and peas fries. Hey, dad, I'm a man of the people when it comes to that. <laughs> Tell us your Star Wars plans. Get your questions in now because we will answer them when we return. On Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at TheBody52. The Body. We'll wrap up the show when we return. Inside the Electric Factory, you're listening to Euler and Moats. It's Steelers Blitz on SNR.
0: This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR.
1: Wrapping up the show on a Thursday. Wrapping up as we always do with your questions, comments, concerns, reaction throughout the show. Uh, Terry's with us. Terry says, couldn't agree more about going to the movies alone so you can actually pay attention and enjoy. Amen, Terry.
2: Amen, brother. I
1: also, I'll do you one better. I don't, (laughs) and now, Depending on the time of year, obviously, this plays into effect. But usually my rule is I won't go to a movie showtime if it's after school lets out. Mm. If that makes sense, right? So it's got to be like a 11.50, a noon, a 1 o'clock, something yeah, like yeah. that. Because once school lets out, then you got to snot those kids yeah, up in there know you know, like on their, their phones and texting and talking during the movie. Right. Let's, let's get you on the gram. Let's no, get, I don't want to hear that. Let's get you on the gram. All right, let's hit some of these questions. Uh, David, the Photoshop expert himself, Christmas music draft. Who's your number one pick?
4: <sighs> Nat King Cole, Chestnuts roasting on Open Fire. Jack Frost, he's
1: nipping at your nose.
4: Yeah. That's a
1: good one. I like a lot. So, I, man, I, any of the Christmas music that's put out by people like Josh Groban, uh, James Taylor, yeah. I always love that kind of wow, Christmas music. Oh, you're not a Temptations guy? I you, like You're not a Motown guy? I'm just – What do you
4: mean? I don't like to be What do you mean? What do you I mean?
1: I don't like to be tempted. Come on, bro. You know? Isn't – Eh, no. He's not. Um, But <laughs> I – I really like the traditional – and this is weird – but like this is something like I feel like Tuncha Wolf could be in on this conversation. I really like the tr- like the traditional almost like hymnal Christmas songs. If that makes Ooh. like the Oh Come, Oh Come,
4: Emmanuel. Yeah. I like, e- like the uh, was it Carol of the Bells, the one that, yeah. uh, that they sing in um, Home Alone. Yes,
0: yeah. Hallelujah.
1: Yeah, that's what I like too. Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. And of course, we got to give some love to Mariah, right? Yeah, I guess so. Baby, all I want for Christmas is you. Whoa. Speaking of, <laughs> speaking of Christmas, I bet you our buddy Turk in Alaska. I mean, it's probably Christmas up there like 11 months out of the year. Yeah. Uh, he says we need to relax. Duck is going to go 16 for 21. Okay, okay. 225 yards passing. Okay. Two touchdowns and an interception. Oh, it's nothing. It's easy. And James Conner's going to get 20 to 25 touches. Steelers 24, Jets 13. Feed that man. Duck calling calling a shot about the duck, I guess I should say. Oh, man, you guys. I hope so. I hope you're right, Turk. I hope so. Uh, Steel City Reese is asking about uh, Sunday and the Jets and if there's any Stiller Gang tailgate, if you'll be around at all.
4: Because he will be there. Ooh, there will be a Steeler Gang tailgate. I will not be able to make it, though, because I will be down at JMU coming back. And then I have an event with the Steelers here in uh, Pittsburgh. But if you want to find out the location, just go to At Atsteelagang.com. Uh, at <laughs> at gang. S-T-I-L-E-R. Gang. And, yeah, you get all the details on the Twitter.com that way.
1: I do want to point out, because uh, our, our friend Thrash said he missed yesterday's show. Oh, but luck- Lot G. There we go. Lot G. Lot G. There you yeah, go. Lot G. 9 a.m. Uh, Thrash says, I missed the show yesterday, but luckily there is a podcast. Steelers Blitz with a Z. Yeah. And Thrash gets the show.
4: Like Zebra.
1: Thrash gets the show. Uh, yes. I haven't pumped it in a while. So, reminder, if you are missing the shows, if you can't catch them live all the time, if you want to catch them archived, they all are archived wherever you find your podcasts. Wherever. Steeler's Blitz. That's Blitz with a Z. Mm-hmm. Like, like Zlatan. Or Zoltan. Yeah. 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 Zoltan. Zucchini. Zucchini. Xylophone. Mm. Ziggy Hood. Ooh. I had him running out. That's all I got. You serious? Zamboni? Zamboni. Yeah. Okay, mister. It's not hockey season. Well, Ziggy Palfy. He was an old Penguins winger. For- okay,
4: let's go, Pence. other <laughs> was sound. I, I, yeah, I lost for a second. I was like, all right. All right. Yeah, what are you talking about? Yeah. Right?
1: Mark says uh, he said that he got into an argument this past weekend about a Steelers fan who's convinced that the Steelers actually. Are talking with the with the Redskins about a Mike Tomlin trade. So he said it could never happen because, one, it's not the Steeler way. Two, Tomlin has done a great job. Why would they want him gone? And three, why would he even want to go there? Any other rebuttals?
4: <coughs> no, I agree, man. I, I don't see that happening. The Steelers know what they have in Coach T. They know how valuable he is. And, uh, yeah, I know people would say, well, what about the draft picks? But I believe you can what? You can only trade, what is it? A first-rounder up until, was it three years? Yeah, I know there's some, yeah, it's like some a weird bylaws that. and yeah, this and so, that. So and yeah, so even with that, let's be real. You're not trading Coach T for anything less than multiple first-round picks. Right. And if you're not even going to be able to use them or you're not even going to be able to get them that long or that far out, I mean, yeah, it's pointless. Point. And, and it's no guarantee that the, the first-round pick is going to work out. I mean, sheesh. It's true. Your first-rounder could be a bum. Could it's you true. could draft Brandon Whedon and, and Trent Richardson in your first round. Now how you feeling? You could draft
1: Baker Mayfield in your first round. That's exactly. how you feeling. Yeah. Bunch of bums.
4: And you and then you're looking across from the team that you gave Coach Tomlin to.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And then you know, then you could stand on the other sideline and yell, come get me at Coach Tomlin. Yeah, how he about that? Be, he could be like, nah, not good. Nah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. You're not Joe Hayden. I'm good. I'm good. The lit one. Mm-hmm. Rebecca. Yes. Lit 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 Favorite. Uh, thinking about Bell and I'm wondering, uh, and she's asking you here. Oh, damn. All right, I'm scared now. Is it more important to get your money Uh and go to a crap team? Uh Uh-oh. Or make a reasonable amount of money Uh with a winning team? I'm sure it depends on the person, but what are your thoughts as a pro?
4: Oh, interesting, interesting, interesting. Um, for me, I think it definitely depends on the player's financial situation. If he hasn't hit that big contract just yet. And like a
1: Dak Prescott,
4: right, right, right. But I will also say this: when we talk the money, money is relative to each person. Sure. Meaning, five million dollars can seem like fifty million dollars to a person. I like
1: how you point that and out because you're fifty so million right on dollars
4: that. can be like. A million dollars to pray. It just depends on who they are, their spending how habits, they how they were all that factors in. Right.
1: Like you think, you think Eli Manning was really concerned about money, right, with like, his up, upbringing? <laughs> not a chance. A few or, million dollar difference here or there.
4: Not a chance. And then, then you factor in Tom Brady and his situation. Like, how is drastically different? How his so, wife is a billionaire, right? So those are the things I think plays into that. But I know for me, my thought process was always initially get the money. Then once I get the money, now you focus solely on the best chance to win, the best chance to get a Super Bowl. And now I think a lot of guys do go about it that way because it's a short window, and especially for the running back position where you're only going to play, I mean, effectively or at a high level. Most of those guys, five years tops, and that's being generous. A lot of them have a very short career span. So that's the one side of it where it's like I can understand him wanting to do that. And people, like I said, people are going to – have their feelings about his contract anyways because he would have made more money here in Pittsburgh, but the money was, it was more guarantees on that money in New York. So I think all that kind of plays into it. But I will say this as a player, you always go for the guarantee money over the,
1: the gentleman's agreement. That's the buzzword, the guarantee.
4: Because the gentleman's agreement is all well and good in theory until a GM or somebody leaves that you didn't expect to leave, or they have a change of heart, and now you're sitting here twiddling your thumbs <laughs> with no cash. Whereas at least with Levi, he knows with the Jets, regardless of what they do, regardless of if they change their mind on him, don't like him, he doesn't perform, that money's still going to hit oh, the same. Oh, they could have
1: cut him the day after he yes, signed that contract. That money's still going to hit the same, and that's the difference. And that is why Arthur Moats, the NBA, and the NHL have fully guaranteed contracts. And the MLB. And the MLB. And why that's going to be such a big battleground issue when the CBA comes up here in another couple couple years for the National Football League. Rebecca, stop asking me all the tough questions like that. you made me think too much today. Rebecca, keep asking those Jeez. good questions, please. All right? You're making my job, you know, a little bit early, a little bit easier. With these a, little good bit early. <laughs> a little bit earlier, A little bit easier. A different E-word. Uh, Mark says, Motes, and this is in relation to your... Struggles getting here this morning in the oh man in the All traffic and right. the accident. So let's
4: so pick on Arthur day to
1: day. Oh, now hold on, <laughs> don't don't now don't be sensitive. <laughs> uh, he says, Motes you could use a, a Tomlin quote. Don't focus on hypotheticals or make contingency plans. Hey. You crossed the bridge when you came to it. <laughs> <laughs> but he says this is the best part. Although it seems that bridge was out of commission.
4: <laughs> Speaking of that bridge, literally the accident was right at the exit of the bridge. So oh. they had to cut all the traffic to one lane, and that's what the deal was. Cause oh. yeah, you got literally four lanes merging into one, and it's going into a tunnel. Oh, yeah, it was terrible.
1: And I bet too you probably because I had to go to. I, we talked about this. I had to go to Top Golf. Yeah, after yeah. the show yesterday, yeah. uh, and so I, which was where by where you live, mm-hmm. it was probably not fun for you getting hooked. Cause it wasn't fun for me no, getting in at at out of there. Uh-uh. Yeah. Oh. It bad. It was it's not good. It was, it was like the time that we got out of there yesterday was like the perfect time of like the storm that whiteout was at a yeah peak. It was not fun.
4: Our phones get the alarm going off. Warning: squall, whiteout alert.
1: Finds cover. Yeah. What is squall? Like, is it Game of Thrones? What are the White Walkers coming no, through Western No. When I heard
4: squall, I'm thinking squall? back to this this movie I used to watch called White Squall, where they're like fishing, and yeah, the white squall is like this big, like just. Ocean, uh, yeah. wave. Yeah, comes I know through. what you mean. It made yeah. me think
1: of Fetty Wap, though. Whoa, Squaw, baby, won't you come my way? There was a
4: Fetty Wap guy like
1: that, man. <laughs> and you know, too, with all that travel stuff yesterday, I was going back and forth with my dad because he was down here too and was wondering what the best way to get home was. Yeah, you
4: know, the symphony was here yesterday. Yeah, take, take the helicopter if you want to get home. I best wish
1: way. the Ellen the generous way. The Kobe. Bryant I don't know if I ever way. told you that story before. Last time I was out in LA, one of my best friends lives in LA. Yeah. Um, and we're hanging out on the beach. And this helicopter flies out. But we're in Santa Monica, and this helicopter flies out above our head. And I'm like, oh, I'm like what's going on there?" And he goes, "Oh, that's Ellen. That's how she gets to work, to and from work every single day." I'm like, "Man, that is a heck of a gig. Yeah, that is a heck of a commute." Living the good life. Living the good life. <laughs> um, but yeah, my dad was here yesterday, and he got this picture with James Connor that's out on the Steelers website. You can go Hell find to it. Pit. It's him shaking James Connor's hand, standing beside Mr. Rooney. And thanks a lot to whatever Steeler photographer took that picture, because now I'm going to have to hear about it and see it for the next 30 years you
4: should have that hell to pit put up in your house man yeah please
1: listen my dad uh he does a lot of teaching engagement you know during the symphony off season he goes to oklahoma and teaches Mm. violin he goes to texas he goes to indiana he 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 brings back a lot of gear from time to time right 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 but he already knows you know when he does business with that university that's located in the oakland district of pittsburgh he ain't be bringing no collateral home to his kids sure enough uh, last one here. No last one here. Real quick, as we're up against break, little J B asks, "Could you ever see Love Bell coming back?"
4: I could. Uh, I don't think he burnt any bridges. I do
1: think it was all just a money situation. So I think if things worked out, I could definitely see it. I think so too. Uh, certainly, uh, him as opposed to the other high-profile Steelers skill player that has left the roster recently as well too, Martavis. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do I'm it for sick. today's show. <laughs> you well,
4: are sick. Big thanks to Brian Backo for joining
1: us. A big shout-out to our guy, Kellen, for producing back at the ranch as well. Tomorrow, Friday, the day before, the day before, the penultimate to the penultimate, mm-hmm. we'll have some fun and we'll sing some songs. So We'll talk to you then, as always, same time, same place, high noon tomorrow on your 24-7 home of
2: the black and gold. Steelers Nation Radio.